risen. Risen Risen indeed. That is what we need to see this morning. That is what we celebrate. That is what we remember. That Jesus is alive. That Jesus lives. And we also need to see the truths that flow out from that. Truths like that of 1 Corinthians 15, that he has risen and ascended, specifically that he reigns. Our sermon this this morning is focused on these truths, that Jesus lives and Jesus reigns. We need to see this clearly if we are to respond in the right way to Jesus. If we do not believe that Jesus truly lives, if we do not believe that Jesus truly reigns, then we will not respond to him rightly. But he does live, and he does reign. And so as we look at our passage this morning, Matthew 27, verse 62 through 28, 20, my hope is that we will see that and see how we should respond. So would you please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 27, verse 62, and would you stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, but follow along with whatever version you have. Matthew writes this, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven And came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble." So they took the money and did as they were directed, and the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Moving to South Dakota was new for Katie and I, and it involved some regular changes. We had to go and go to the driver's license place down at the senior center here in Hot Springs. And one of the things they make you do when you're transferring your license from state to state is they make you take an eye test. How many of you have had to do that? Right? You look into the little box, you have to read the letters across the screen. Why do they make you pass the eye test? Because what you see affects how you drive, right? If you see things coming, you drive certain ways. If you don't see things coming, you drive other ways, right? (laughs) What we see shapes how we drive, and what we see shapes how we live. This morning, we are seeing in Matthew's Gospel a story of seeing of appearances, first of an angelic appearance of an angel to Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary, then Jesus' appearance to these two women, and then Jesus' appearance in Galilee to his disciples. There's all this seeing and sight that is happening in this passage. And what I hope we see here is that we see Jesus rightly, that we see that Jesus is alive, as the women saw, as the disciples saw, and that we see the related truth that Jesus not only lives, but he also reigns. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. But I want us to see this not just so we can check off some Bible facts or be able to answer a trivia question, but because what we see in Jesus, what we see in this passage, should shape how we live. It demands responses from us. So my hope this morning is that as we go through, we'll see that Jesus lives and that he reigns, but we'll also see how we should live in response. First thing I want us to see, verses 1 through 10, is that Jesus lives. Matthew sets the scene at the beginning of Sunday, verse 1. We're told that now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. These women had been devoted to Jesus. They'd been some of the few who had followed him to the cross. They had watched, we're told, in Matthew 27. They had been there at the tomb when Jesus was buried. We see that in Matthew 27 as well. And now on this Sunday morning, as dawn is breaking, they are coming to the tomb. I imagine they would have had a lot of questions. After all, they had been following this Jesus who they believed was the Messiah, and yet he had been killed. They'd known that he had promised that after three days he would rise from the dead, but would it really come true? Was he really who he says he was? Would he really do what he had said he would do? Yes, that's right. Renee has the right answer. We see that they arrive on the scene and they see a glorious yet very strange scene. We're told, verse 2, And behold, 
There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. This angel's appearance, we're told, verse 3, was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And when he arrives on the scene, the guards, the enemies of Jesus, who'd been put in place in chapter 27 to prevent any of the disciples from getting in, they become like dead men. They are filled with fear, verse 4. And so as they tremble and lay on the ground like dead men for fear, the women who are seeking Jesus, who are honoring Jesus, receive a different response. Though the enemies of Jesus are trembling like dead men, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Why should they not be afraid? For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He says, I know that you are coming to seek Jesus, the one who you saw die. But you're looking in the wrong place because he is no longer in the grave. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The angel comforts the women with the reality that Jesus is no longer dead, that he is alive. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. The angel brings to the women good news of great joy, that not only is Jesus alive, but that he is faithful, that he has done what he has promised. In the weeks running up to Easter and Palm Sunday, we looked together as a church, if you were here, at multiple times where Jesus promised his disciples that he would suffer and he would die. But in each of those instances, he also promised that he would rise on the third day. And here the angel tells the women, he's done exactly what he said he would do. He is not dead in the grave. He is alive, just as he said. He is alive and he is faithful. The women, we know, receive this message with great joy. Imagine they come to the tomb that morning unsure of where Jesus is, believing that he is dead in the grave, and now they hear the news that he is alive and he is risen. And so we're told that when they depart, verse 8, they departed with fear, but also with great joy. And here we see, I think, the first way that we, if we are seeking Christ, if we are following him, should respond. We should rejoice. Jesus is alive. He is not in the grave. He has conquered it. And we can rejoice and have joy all the days of our life, trusting in him. The women go rejoicing, but they don't keep this joyful message to themselves. It's good news of great joy for them, but it's also good news of great joy for others. The angel tells them to encourage the other disciples with the reality that Jesus is alive. He tells them, He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then, verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The women are told, go Quickly, tell the other disciples, let them know that Jesus is alive, that he is not dead in the grave, and that they will go and see him in Galilee. The women are sent out with a message, a message of encouragement for their fellow disciples. And so when we come to Easter and we are rejoicing in the good news that Jesus is alive, we shouldn't keep this to ourselves. 
We should share it with one another. That's why we say Christ is risen. And we respond, he is risen indeed. Because we're encouraging one another with this truth, with this reality, that Jesus is alive, just as he said. So we rejoice and we encourage one another. We remind each other. That's why we gather on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, to remind ourselves that Jesus is alive. And why do we need to encourage one another? Because when we look at our world, when we look at our lives, it can be easy to lose hope. It can be easy to lose sight. But Jesus is alive. And so we encourage one another in this. Now the women are told to go and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. Here the angel is telling them to remind the disciples of something. You see, Jesus had promised he would die and that he would be raised on the third day, but he had also promised the disciples in the upper room the day before he died on the cross that he would die, but then he would be raised and he would appear before them in Galilee. Matthew twenty six thirty one. Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So he'd said, I'm going to die, but I'm also going to live, and then I want you to meet me here in Galilee. And so when the angel appears to the women, he's not just telling them, go tell the disciples that Jesus is alive, but he's also telling them, go tell them to meet him where he told them to meet him. Go to Galilee, exactly where he said. And so they depart, they go to tell the disciples They're rejoicing. They're going to encourage them. And then as they're on the way to reach the other disciples, Jesus himself appears to them. Verse 9, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Jesus comes to them. He appears to them in the flesh. They who are already rejoicing in the news that he is alive, they who are going to encourage one another, and how do they respond? They worship. We read that they came up and took hold of his feet. Jesus is no ghost. He is in the flesh. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They honor him. They praise him. This language of worship runs all through Matthew's gospel. It is what the magi do when they come to the infant king in Matthew. It is what the blind men do when Jesus opens their eyes on the way to his triumphal entry. It is what the Canaanite woman does when she comes to Jesus for help. But here the women are seeing Jesus in a way that none of the magi or the blind men had seen. Him in his resurrection glory. And when they see him, they worship. So we should rejoice. We should encourage one another. But we also should worship. Jesus is the divine one, the one who has conquered death. And he is worthy of our praise. And so they come, they take hold of his feet, they worship him, and then Jesus reiterates what the angel has already told them. He reminds them, he says to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus tells them, he says, just as the angel said, Go to Galilee, tell my disciples to meet me there, and there they will see me. So in verses 1 through 10, the women see, they see Jesus, they're told of Jesus, and they rejoice and they encourage and they worship. 
But 1 through 10 is all serving in some ways as a prologue, as a precursor to Jesus' appearance to his disciples in Galilee, which we will see in verses 16 through 20. And there we will see that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. But while they were going, there is an interruption, a cautionary tale, before we get to the scene in Galilee. We read verse 11 that while the women were going, they've seen Jesus. They're going to tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. Another group is going to tell others of what has happened at the tomb. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. The guard who had been stationed at the tomb, who have seen this angel, who have trembled in fear like dead men, they go and tell the chief priests. Now we would hope and we would think that upon hearing that Jesus has risen from the dead, upon hearing about this earthquake, that the chief priests and the leaders and the guards themselves would turn to Jesus that they would worship him, that they would acknowledge him, that they would turn from their sinful hostility to him. But instead, they do not. What do they do? They seek to cover it up. They oppose Jesus. They oppose the reality that he has risen from the dead. Even though he has defeated death, they still believe that they can fight against him. They still believe that they can stop him, despite having already killed him once. Here is a cautionary tale for us. All of us, we're told in Scripture, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul talks about how we suppress the truth in unrighteousness until we come to know Christ. And there is a real danger that even in spite of Christ's resurrection, that if we do not turn to him, if God does not open our eyes to cause us to see, that we will remain enemies of God. We may not be the sorts of enemies that kill him on the cross directly or that seek to cover up his resurrection but there is a danger that even in light of Christ's resurrection some will still oppose Jesus if you are here this morning and you have not yet turned to Christ in faith if you have not embraced him as the living one who reigns who is worthy of worship turn repent believe there is No point in fighting against Jesus because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And that glory will be shown when he returns. So we see that Jesus is alive. We ought to rejoice that he is alive. We ought to encourage one another that he is alive. We ought to worship him because he is alive. But there is a related truth that because he is alive, because he defeats death, he also shows us that he reigns. We've seen that all through 1 through 10, they're preparing. The angel tells them, tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Jesus tells the women, tell the disciples to go to Galilee. And so it is in Galilee that we see more fully the truths of the resurrection. We're told in verse 16 through 20 that now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to go to Galilee and you're going to meet me here. And so they go and sure enough, There he is. When they saw him, verse 17, they worshipped him. You receive the same response as the women who bow down and worship him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
The resurrection shows us that Jesus is alive, but it also shows us that the resurrected Jesus is the king who has all authority. He is the one who lives and who also reigns. That is, this appearance, this teaching, is what the angel tells the women to prepare the disciples for. It's what Jesus predicts before his own death. It's what Jesus tells the disciples to tell the disciples to hear. So how should we respond to the reality that Jesus reigns? First, we should not oppose him as the Pharisees and the guards did. It is useless to oppose the one who has all authority. But we are also, as those who follow him, called to certain ways of living. First, we are called to serve Jesus and to tell others about him. Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, and then he gives marching orders. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He says, I am the one who has all authority and I'm sending you out to tell all the nations, all people, all over about who I am, that I am alive, that I am the one who has come to save. And when we go and we go, we go because we are his servants. We go and make disciples because he is the one who is worthy of our lives. And we baptize and we teach because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one deserving of worship from all people everywhere. Not just the worship of the women, not just the worship of the 11 disciples, not just our worship, but all worship. Jesus lives and Jesus reigns. And because Jesus reigns, we ought to give our lives to serve him. Yet there is something even still more beautiful to see. Because Jesus reigns, we can trust him. We serve him, but we also trust him. Jesus ends Matthew 28 with these words, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, the risen one, who has just overcome death, Jesus, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs, promises to be with his disciples always. Jesus, if we are his, will never leave us. Jesus will never leave us alone. Jesus will be with us always to the end of the age until he returns, and after he returns, we will be with him forever. Jesus, the resurrected, risen Lord, promises the disciples who just days earlier had thought they had lost him, had thought they were alone, that they are not alone, that we are not alone, that Jesus, the risen one, the reigning one, is with us always. And so that empowers us to go out as his servants. We can go to all nations, we can baptize, we can teach because Jesus is alive, because he reigns, because he has all authority and because he promises to be with us. This means that no matter how hard things may be, no matter how dark the horizon might seem, no matter our personal challenges or the challenges we see in our world to the church, that Jesus is with us. He is with us always. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us to the end of the age. And we can trust that because if death couldn't stop him, what else could? If death couldn't stop Jesus, no one and nothing can stop him, and nothing will separate us from him. So this Easter, I hope that we see that Jesus lives. 
that he appeared to the women, that he appeared to the disciples, that he will appear one day to us on his return. And that as we see him, we will be filled with joy, knowing that he lives, he lives today, that we will encourage one another with this reality when things are hard, when things seem dark, that we will point one another to this resurrected living Jesus and that we will worship him together. And that just as we see that he lives, that we will also see that he reigns, that we will not oppose him, but that we will serve him, and that we will trust him all the days of our life. This is our hope this Sunday. This is our hope every Sunday. This is our hope all of our lives. So this Easter, be encouraged by Jesus and follow him with all your life. Would you please pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is no longer in the grave, but that he is risen, just as he said. Would you fill us with joy? Would you cause us to worship as we consider our living and reigning King? Would you empower us to go out as your servants, serving you, going to all nations, trusting in you? And would you comfort us with the reality that the risen Christ will be with us always? to the end of the age. Send us out, we pray, by your spirit, for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.